0: While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swinger high and low, the Alaman left for the old left hand around the ring you go, a grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe, from any gal to Georgia. The name of the mountain apparently means stand alone. Curahee Mountain stands in Stevens County and rises to over 1,700 feet. If you've seen the show Band of Brothers, you know how long it is to climb. Three miles up and three miles down. Benjamin Hawkins used Curry as a landmark in drawing the line between United States and Cherokee land. And since then, a lot of people have walked, run, and lived up and around this place. A lot has happened in this spot. So this is actually going to be a two-part episode. This is part one, moving through Georgia, Curahee Mountain I actually got to do this hike not too long ago with some experienced hikers and a guide who was familiar with the history of the area. We didn't climb up, the trail is actually a road with a lot of loose stones and a lot of dust. Although if you do make the climb, either by foot or on wheels, the view is worth it. We started at the base of the mountain and began walking in. There are a few historical markers that can be seen from the trail. You just need to watch your step and work through the undergrowth to get to them. The first marker was a home site belonging to William Marion Edmonds. The marker said that he served in the 11th Cavalry Infantry of Georgia during the Civil War and that he died in 1935. I don't know the source for the trailside markers, and I've tried to confirm what they've said as much as possible. There is a William Marion Edmonds buried in the cemetery at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Stevens County. The marker places his birth at 1848, while the headstone says that he was born in 1846. This isn't a huge discrepancy and I'm still confident that the man who lived in that site is the same man that rests in that cemetery. The marker on the mountain says that he served in the cavalry infantry, and the headstone simply says cavalry. The term cavalry infantry isn't a common one and may mean mounted infantry in which soldiers would move into place before or during a battle, then dismount and fight on foot. However, the 11th was a cavalry unit, meaning they fought from horseback. Both sources say that he served in Company H, which was a unit formed of men from Habersham County and at the time the area that is now Stevens County was part of Habersham. I wasn't able to find Edmund's name listed as part of that unit, but that isn't surprising. You look through old registries of names from Civil War units, usually you can find the officers, but more often than not the enlisted soldiers aren't there. There were also a lot of men that moved in and out of that unit, and it's hard to keep track of all of them. So, what we do know is that a man named William Marion Edmonds lived at the base of Curry Mountain, and that he fought in the Civil War. The part of the story that I would like to know more about is the fact that he would have been either 13 or 15 when the war broke out. The Confederate Army normally would only recruit soldiers over 18. However, there were ways around this. At a time without standardized birth certificates, a boy that looked to be 18 would be taken on his word. There was simply no way to check. Underaged potential recruit could also join if they showed some skill and ability and had a parent with them to give their permission. There were some exceptions for cooks, horse tenders, musicians, or maybe he didn't. He may have enlisted when he turned 18 or may have been conscripted when he turned 18 in 1864 and saw the last year of fighting. There is a story in every life, and there is an interesting story in the life of the man who lived in this spot. A man who would have been a young man at the start of the Civil War, and who would have later seen men returning from World War I. Maybe some ongoing research will help bring this to light. Okay, we are still walking on this trail. It's a nice trail to walk because it's nice and shady. A little further on, we come to an area covered by a canopy of tree branches. The marker calls this the lathan Edmunds Cemetery. There are gravestones scattered throughout the area with footstones. Footstones are a method of burial you find in the south, and there's a reason for that, and that will be addressed in an upcoming episode. Most of the stones have had their carvings eroded away. The marker there says there are 45 graves in the area, but only 4 markers can be read. It would take a pretty extensive search with ground penetrating radar, kind of like they did in the graveyard in Clarksville to find out exactly how many people are interred in that field. The four stones that can be read are very well made. For example, Mary Watkins died in 1913 and her stone depicts the gates of heaven opening and a dove preparing to descend to earth. Very cool. Alright, we walk on some more and we hit the next marker. It's at a site labeled John Lathan Sr. Home Site. We've managed to cover a lot of local history without really getting into prohibition or homemade alcohol. That's coming up, but there are at least two sites you can visit on this mountain where stills were located. If you move downhill from the Latham Sr. site, and this is off the trail, so you'll be going through leaves and branches, you'll eventually reach a partial structure made of rocks next to a stream, and this was the location of the Latham still. The area is off the trail, but it can be found, just look for the stream. And the remnants of another still are near the next marker, but it's fairly far off the trail and even our guide hadn't found that one yet. As we continued on the trail, we passed some more areas of interest. The home site of Joanna Gibson, a mother of three whose husband was murdered and who herself was murdered in 1917, leaving her children orphans. And a very cool waterfall named after Mary Steele, who was instrumental in preserving the historical sites in the area. Our guided tour here ends down the trail a bit and across a stream at a cave known as the Roman's Den. The historical markers in the area credit their information to an article in the Tocoa Record, which has actually run since 1873. The article they quote is called, Roman's Den Continues to Intrigue Area, and it's from 1976. The cave has a small opening and now it would have to be crawled into. Apparently, uh, mudslides and dirt have filled some of the areas, but the article describes it as having three rooms with a nine-foot ceiling. I've seen blogs from hikers who claim they've walked into the cave and stood upright comfortably. When we were there, most of the cave was filled with water. There's maybe a spring in the back. When Samuel Roman and Bill Smith lived in the cave, they fastened a door over the opening so people passing by wouldn't see them inside. You see, they were hiding out. Both men apparently had enough Native American ancestry that they weren't accorded the same rights that other residents of the area had. And when the Civil War broke out, they both decided not to fight for a government that didn't appreciate them. So they went to live in the woods and sit out the fighting. Their hair and beards grew long, long enough that the writer of the article in 1976 said that they resembled the youth of today. Apparently they were there for over a year and coming out only at night they didn't have the means to grow or purchase food so they had to do what they could to eat. This included one late-night raid on a smokehouse that infuriated the owner. In his anger over the break-in, he announced a reward of 100 Confederate dollars to anyone who brought in the men who damaged his smokehouse and stole his hams. That's all it took. Soon the boys were pointed out by a friend who had visited them at the cave previously and they were brought off the mountain in chains. Okay, the story starts to get good here. Roman and Smith were dragged for five miles, joined together by a heavy logging chain to a Mr. Terrell's house. Sam, seeing a gun on the wall of the house, began working on Mr. Terrell, telling him he had made a mistake and he was beginning to regret the choices he had made. He asked Mr. Terrell to pray for him, and apparently Mr. Terrell did exactly that, dropping to his knees to begin praying for the redemption of Sam Roman. Roman, however, saw that Terrell was distracted, removed the gun from the wall, and fired at Mr. Terrell. It either wasn't loaded or the force of Terrell's heavenly pleading had caused the gun to misfire and his life was spared. Roman was left pointing a useless gun. It was eventually decided that Roman would be taken to jail in Athens, but before leaving, a course of local punishment was in order. Roman was tied to a pole and was bounced up and down, while another man stood by, beating a pan with a stick. I'm having a little trouble visualizing the scene, but this is the description we're given. The article doesn't say if Bill Smith shared this punishment. And we're going to leave Sam Roman tied to that stick for just a moment while I remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast focusing mostly on Northeast Georgia. Nobody's making money off of this, but if you'd like to help what's happening here, please consider leaving five stars or a review. It really does help get the word out. And if you have a good story about living in Northeast Georgia, a story about your family, I'd love to hear them at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. Okay, so after this somewhat unusual punishment, two horses were brought up, one for Sam and one for a guard. On the way to Athens, Sam somehow managed to sneak a rock into his pocket and when the guard wasn't looking, he clunked him on the head and left for North Carolina and stayed there throughout the war. However, before he left, he did do one good deed. He took that chain that was used to drag him off the mountain and buried it on Curahee Mountain and then told Marion Edmonds where it was located so it could be dug up and returned to the rightful owner. I'm not sure what happened to Bill Smith, although the article says he went to Oklahoma and found oil. Actually, the oil came up and ruined his potato crop, making him a millionaire if you get a chance to come visit the cave it's very cool it's a good walk it's an interesting visit and i want to take credit for a discovery i did find the name bill carved into a rock nearby and i am convinced that it was carved by bill smith okay there's a lot more history to curahee mountain and we're going to start that next sunday when we do part two Left hand around the ring you go A grand old right left walk On your heel and toe From an pretty gal to Georgia That's all